Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing the investment outlook for 2024 and what we think lies ahead. I'm Andy Craig, co-head of the Investment Insights Centre at BNP Paribas Asset Management, and I'm joined today by Daniel Morris, co-head and our chief market strategist. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Now, Daniel, you've been visiting clients over these last few weeks to present our 2024 investment outlook, which is entitled Stepping into a New Reality, which speaks to both the changes that artificial intelligence is bringing for our societies and economies, as well as the fact that fundamentally, our view is that in 2024, we will step into a different sort of macroeconomic reality. So perhaps, can we please start, Daniel, by having you talk us through the main points of our macroeconomic outlook and the market environment we anticipate in 2024? Well, we can start by thinking about the surprises that we saw in 2023. And number one, certainly much better than expected U.S. growth, even as, and this is another surprise, we've seen decelerating inflation. And then probably the other most significant surprise was the disappointing growth out of China. So we'd like to think, at least on the China front, that that might be one of the positive surprises for next year, though I guess if we're expecting it, it's not much of a surprise. In fact, we are hoping for more stimulus in China and therefore better growth next year. But frankly, we were hoping for that at the beginning of the year, and I think we've come to realize that the objectives of the Chinese government might not necessarily align with our own. So hopeful that that comes through. Do actually expect that it will, but appreciate uh, that we may yet again be disappointed. When we think about the outlook for U.S. growth, we do look for a soft landing, which is probably the single most important, I think, judgment to make for next year. Even though, of course, there are always risks to that, that we do end up with a recession for various reasons. But even then, we would think it would be a mild one. Even though we say we're anticipating a soft landing in the U.S., however, we also don't want to overstate, if you will, how positive that is. That's still slowing growth. And we have to anticipate over the months ahead that the marginal economic data is going to be worse, even if in the end we still have a positive growth rate for the year which frankly will present some challenges both for defensive assets and risk assets as they oscillate between believing it's just a slowdown and therefore that's fine and if anything is positive for the outlook for inflation or alternatively, occasionally you'll have worries, I imagine, come back that this is just a prelude to a recession. But then the view for the U.S. is a soft landing, a slowdown and positive growth. In contrast, I think we can say at least that things should get better for Europe than they've been in 2023. We've had relatively weak growth. Arguably, Europe is currently in a mild recession, but that means you should see a recovery next year. And then we think about that dynamic, even if the absolute rate of growth will still be higher in the U.S. than it will be in Europe, Again, you'll have a decelerating trend of growth in the U.S., even as you have an accelerating growth in Europe. So that's the macro picture. What does all that mean for markets? Well, at this point, we're primarily focused on that slowdown in growth. And as a result, our overweight government bonds, in particular U.S. government bonds, and in particular U.S. TIPS or inflation-linked bonds. 
in the belief that that slowdown in growth will lead to lower real yields, also supported by the Fed finally cutting interest rates. Clearly, there's a question of how quickly that happens and how far the Fed goes. But I think we're fairly confident that that will happen next year, given the deceleration we're seeing in inflation. So broadly, overweight government bonds in the U.S., as I mentioned. As for equity markets, neutral in most markets, in fact, but with an underweight to European equities in the belief that the risk to growth, certainly relative to corporate profit expectations, is the greatest there. Okay, well, thank you. Let's just talk now, if we can, about the questions that you've been encountering on your tour with clients and in the, the investors you've been meeting. I'd just like to go through some of the questions I know that have been coming up as you presented our investment outlook. Now, you, you talked a little bit about China, but I know the topic of China has come up repeatedly. And uh, obviously, China has been through a stop-start recovery since it abandoned the very strict coronavirus controls at the start of 2023. Why do you think its economic performance has disappointed so much in 2023? And does it get better in 2024? Well, I think that disappointment on one hand may just be relative to unrealistic expectations as necessarily anything that was inherent in the outlook at the beginning of the year. I think there probably was a bias on the part of a lot of Western investors, if you will, to assume that since the lockdown in China was so long that, therefore, the recovery would be that much stronger in parallel to what we had experienced in the U.S. and Europe. And clearly, that was not the case. And perhaps one key reason for that, that I guess we should have appreciated at the time, is that the Chinese government did not provide anywhere near the same level of support to households during the lockdowns and during those three years of lockdowns relative to what you saw in the U.S. and in Europe. And that meant, among other things, when you finally had the reopening, that households probably didn't feel so flush with cash the way you often saw in the West, and therefore confidence levels uh, rather lower, and therefore not anywhere near as much spending. That certainly was one key factor that perhaps we just failed to anticipate correctly. Nonetheless, there is certainly another very important factor, which is the property market and the weakness that we still see. And again, the assumption at the beginning of the year that the government would do more to support the property market in the, I think, reasonable belief that it is so crucial and fundamental to the Chinese economy. In a sense, they almost had to, that you weren't going to be able to meet your growth targets if you didn't provide more support for the property developers. That hasn't happened yet. There may be initial indications now the government might be stepping up support. And again, we're hopeful that that comes through, but at the same time, cautious. I mean, the fundamental concern is that without a recovery in property prices, business confidence, consumer confidence uh, will remain weak. And that's going to weigh certainly on economic growth and ultimately on investors' perceptions of the opportunity in the economy and in the opportunities in the equity market. So at this point in particular, when we think about Chinese equities, in fact, if you look at consensus earnings growth forecasts, they're still quite high. Consensus estimates are for 15% earnings growth next year, which in fact makes sense given that you are coming out of lockdown, you would expect nonetheless a rebound in profits. At the same time, since you have had quite poor performance for Chinese equities on a relative valuation basis, at least if you look at forward PEs, they're certainly much lower than they've been in the past. But that doesn't necessarily, of course, mean that they're going to go up just because they're low today. 
And we think the catalyst that we've been missing, again, is that support from the government. Ultimately, we think the potential for this rebound in the Chinese equity markets is still quite dependent on the government. And frankly, we are still in very much a wait and see mode. And now, one of the features of uh, 2023 has been the the very narrow-based equity rally we've seen this year in the U.S. stock market, driven by the Magnificent Seven, the the seven big tech names which have accounted for around 80% of the rise in the S&P 500 this year. So should investors only be buying the Magnificent Seven in 2024? Well, I guess we probably can all agree that at this point, it might be a bit too late to do that, though uh, there may still be investors that are looking to jump on this particular bandwagon. I think perhaps a better way to think about it is to recognize that in a way, the U.S. market is really two quite distinct markets. Now, the Magnificent Seven represents that, but more broadly, if we just think about the tech sector growth stocks, In the U.S., they are quite different than what you see in other markets. I mean, there really is no tech market, no growth market like that in the U.S. elsewhere, except arguably China, but clearly China has been dealing with other issues over the past year. So it is right, I think, to look at tech stocks separately, be that via the NASDAQ 100 index or Russell Growth, but just to recognize that the earnings outlook is different for this part of the market again, separate from any other country. Valuations are different, the dynamics are different, and I think it makes most sense then to have an allocation and have a view just on U.S. tech stocks. And I mean that much more broadly than the Magnificent Seven. I mean, they've done well recently, no guarantee, needless to say, that they'll do well in the future. And if anything, you know, with a diversified index, you're kind of hoping that you're investing in what turns out to be the next magnificent whatever. So as always, broad, diversified portfolio, always the best strategy. And then when we look at the other parts of the market, which I think you can do by looking, say, at the Russell Value Index, you're able then to separately evaluate the parts of the U.S. stock market that are most like other markets, more like Europe, more like Japan. One would imagine with the increased popularity of artificial intelligence and the potential that has for earnings, certainly analyst estimates for growth for tech stocks are positive. And then, of course, we just always need to evaluate whether we think that growth will be realized or not. Yeah. Well, our listeners can find several articles about artificial intelligence in the investment outlook. Thank you very much, Daniel. My pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like a copy of Stepping Into a New Reality, our investment outlook for 2024, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact, or you can find it on Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. If you like the podcast, please leave us a positive review and a nice rating. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Andy Craig, and Daniel Morris, our Chief Market Strategist. Thank you, and talk again next week. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.